five. Um, we uh, have several announcements that are in the bulletin that you can you can read and, and uh, uh, get familiar with. Different things coming up. One thing uh, I I would like to to say is that we are in the midst of a series called the Life and Times of Jesus, and our desire is that you move one step closer to Jesus Christ through this series. And so we'll be looking at now him gathering momentum today. But before we get started, let's, uh, let's have a prayer. Lord God, I thank you and I praise you for all that you have, have done in our lives and now that you have brought us together for worship. Be with us as we uh, move through this this time of worship, that we might ex experience your presence and honor you in, in the things that we think, do, and say. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now we're going to do a, a greeting here where everybody can stand and greet each other, and it is perfectly okay to fist bump or elbow bump. That is accepted and encouraged. So let's just get up and greet each other in the name of Jesus Christ. Two, three, four, five, six. Would you stand as we worship together this morning, our good, good Father? Perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To us. 
so much. Thank you for a beautiful day. Thank you for this time we have to stand and praise you. Lord, we just we just want to say we love you right now. We want to thank you for just the, uh, the fact that we are free to worship, that we are free to come here, and that the Holy Spirit is welcome in this place, Lord. We just ask that as we celebrate the cornerstone of our faith, Jesus, that you are in our midst. Touch our lives, Lord. Every 
shall come. When he shall come with trumpet sound. Oh, may I then in him be found. Dress in his righteousness alone. tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord Holy Spirit you're welcome there's nothing here if you are well Nothing worth more. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord Holy Spirit Holy Spirit you are welcome here come flood this place and fill the Your glory, God, is what our hearts long 
Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. We thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. We give you honor and glory. You are worthy. And all God's people said, you may be seated and the children can be dismissed to children's church. All the children's choir needs to go going to practice. <laughs> Part of our worship is an opportunity to give back to God what he has given to us. And so we, we take seriously that time of, of offering as a part of worship. And I'd like to pray for this offering that we're about to receive. Lord God, we thank you for how you have gifted us and, and given to us in so many ways. And I ask that you now receive these tithes and offerings that are given back to you and use them to further your kingdom work. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Gracious and loving God, we praise you. We praise you for, for being the one who is the Lamb of God and yet roars like a lion. You have the power and might. The King of kings, the Lord of lords. Be with us, Lord, as we seek to to proclaim your kingdom here on earth. Help us to have the, the, the empowerment to follow you, to resist temptation, to discern your direction, your will for our lives. And Lord, we come with those on our mind who need a, a touch in your life, whether it be for healing or or a situation in life that, that uh, needs your help. But we lift those names to you right now. Thank you, Lord, for answering these prayers in the wisest way. And hear us now as we pray together the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture passage today starts with Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. And what we're going to be looking at today is how uh, Jesus gathered momentum. If you look on the front of your bulletin, you'll see this really cool picture of Jesus walking along with several of his followers. Well, at this time, after the baptism and temptation, Jesus began speaking to people, and people began to gravitate toward Jesus to where there were large crowds. But along with those large crowds is he selected 12 disciples to be close to him and to learn from him. There were others, there were 72, there were, there were many followers, but uh, we're going to be looking at the calling of those 12 today. And in Mark 1, 16 through 20 is what we usually think of when we think of the calling of the disciples. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When they had gone a little further, they saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and, le- and, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with their hired men and followed him. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his holy word. Let's pray. Lord God, speak to us through this day, through this this time together. But Lord, especially speak to us through this holy word and the others that will be, be listed. Let them sink deep into our hearts as we seek to go uh, deeper spiritually with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As I read that to you, did that kind of bother you a little bit? How many of you work in an office? Anybody? Carol, you work in an office? Suppose you're working in the office and this guy comes by and looks at you says, Carol, Follow me. Get up, leave everything, follow me. What would you do? Call the police. (laughs) Is that really what happened? Did they leave their nets? Did they leave their fishing, their livelihood, and just follow Jesus? That's what it sounds here. But that's really not the way it was. That's one reason why we have the four Gospels, is we can see insights from each one of the writers into the life of Jesus. Now, Mark was the first gospel that was written, and it's the shortest gospel. Mark didn't worry too much with detail. He just told the story. And then there was Matthew and Luke. They both had Mark in front of them. We know that because there's a lot of repetitive words that they would have copied right out of Mark and put in their Gospels. 
And each one of them had their own stories, things that they heard, things that they, that they knew about. But then they also had this other source that helped them in completing their, their story. And so you have this retelling of the disciples being called at the Sea of Galilee that we see in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But in order to really fill this out, you need to look at the fourth gospel, which is John. Now, John was a disciple of Jesus. He was the youngest. He lived to an old age. And in his old age, he thought it might be a good idea to write down his account of what happened. And so he does that in the gospel of John. And John wasn't around when the the temptation, the baptism happened, and he includes what he thinks is important. The interesting thing about John is even though the other three do, he doesn't talk about the temptation at all. He talks about the baptism, but not the temptation. He goes right into what happens next, which is gathering disciples. And if you want to see this, you can turn to the Gospel of John, the 35th verse of the Gospel of John, and you'll see that right after the baptism, John talks about the next day, and then the next day, and then the third day. The problem with that is geographically it doesn't work. So I think what he is referring to is the next day to talk about Jesus's ministry. The, be, between the, the, the second next day and the third day, there was like, there had to be a five, five, uh, five day, at least five days of lapse of time because of the journey that would have taken them from one place to another. But this is, this is what I want to point out. This is in, in John, first chapter, verse 35 and following. The next day, it's right after the baptism. John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said, come and you will see. And so they go and they spend the day with him. They don't leave until like four in the afternoon. Now, it's, it's interesting here because look at verse 40. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two that, uh, who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. Now, that's a big clue. Andrew, who ends up being one of Jesus' disciples, was first a disciple of who? John. John, the one whom we learned about at Christmas time, was the uh, one brought into the world to be the, the one who would prepare the way for the Messiah. And now there's this baptism revival going on where people from all over Israel are coming to the River Jordan to be baptized by John. And Andrew and others are there as his disciples. They're, they're following John's leadership. And so <clears throat> they're there, and they hear their rabbi point to Jesus and say, there he is. 
That's the one. That's the one I'm talking about. People said to, to ask John, John, are you the Messiah? Are you the one that has been foretold to come? He says, no. I'm the one preparing the way for that person. I'm not even worth a, uh, tying his sandals. I, I, I'm not him. And then along comes Jesus. He gets in line to be baptized by John. When John sees him, he knows. And he says, you should be baptizing me. I, I, I'm not worthy of baptizing you. And Jesus says, let it, let, it be know, let, let it be so for now. And so he humbly enters into ministry through that baptism. But now, the next day, they're walking along. He sees Jesus again. He goes, there he is, guys. And they immediately start following Jesus out and spend time with him. Now, the interesting thing here is that Andrew, who's Simon Peter's brother, he has a reach one. You know what I'm talking about? Hopefully you do. Our goal for 2020 is everybody will reach one person for Christ. You'll invite someone to church. You'll work with them. You'll uh, hopefully help them to draw at least one step closer to Jesus Christ. Andrew's reach one was his brother Peter. What he does is they, they spend the day with uh, Jesus and then immediately he goes and finds his brother Simon. And this is what he says, we found the Messiah. Now this, the Messiah is the same word as Christ. Messiah is Hebrew, Christ is, is Greek, it means the anointed one of God. And so the next thing he does is he takes his reach one, who is Peter, and brings him to Jesus. Jesus looks at Simon and says, you're Simon, son of John. But from now on, I'm going to call you Rocky. Do you know he said that? You're looking at me like, are you crazy? No, I'm not. Actually, what he says is, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated as Peter in the Greek, which is translated as what? The Rock. He nicknamed Peter Rocky because he must have seen something in Peter and knew that he would be a rock-solid foundation at some point, not now, but at some point for the disciples and for the church. You'd be rocky. Interesting, isn't it? Now, John goes on and says, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. <clears throat> What's that about? The last thing he does is he finds one more disciple by the name of Philip. And he says, Philip, follow me. Philip, Philip uh, follows him. And uh, <clears throat> the next thing we know is they're on their way up to, to Galilee and they make it there. And Philip, it says, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Now, how, what, what, what does all that mean? Um, we, we got a map up here, and, and I'm, I'm going old school. I don't have a point. I don't have a laser pointer. I don't need no stinking laser pointer. I got a pole. All right. 
<clears throat> here is a map of the Holy Land. And if you look up here, this is the Sea of Galilee. <clears throat> down here is the Dead Sea. This line that goes down, that's the River Jordan. Now, over here is Nazareth. That's where Jesus grew up. Where in the world did John the Baptist baptize people? Right here. We know from Scripture that he baptized in Bethany across the river, which is right on this side, the other side of the Jordan River by the Dead Sea, right at the top. So that's where he was baptized, and then he was sent by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, which is the wilderness of Judah, Judea, where would that be? <clears throat> well, if you would take the, 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 the whole length of this Dead Sea and you move about that same size, you'll come up with the wilderness. That's where Jesus spent 40 days fasting and was tempted by Satan. Now, what we find out is that after he... Uh, meets with Andrew and the other disciple, whoever that was, and Peter, and then calls Philip, they take the, tr the trip up to the, the Galilean area here. Now, there's a, there's a clue that says that Peter and Andrew and Philip were from Bethsaida. Now, this is where Bethsaida is. Right there, it's on. It's right at the tip or the top of the, the Sea of Galilee, on the right side of the um, the River Jordan, and it was a fishing town. That's where that's where uh, uh, the uh, Peter and would, that would have been his uh, place of of, of, of uh, operations for his fishing ministry or his fishing job. So they went up to Bethsaida. And while up there, Philip has a reach one. And my guess is that Philip probably traveled with Jesus up there. I mean, he says, follow me. So there's he's probably following him up there. And um, they would have probably been talking about other disciples, other people that, that had their heads up a little bit. Now, my question to you is what are at least those three guys from Bethsaida doing down by the Sea of Galilee where John was? They were there because they were wanting to go deep for God. They wanted, they wanted something spiritual in their lives to the point that they were seeking out the Messiah. They heard about John. They went to check him out. They even became uh, disciples of John, or at least Andrew did. I mean, they were hungry for what God had for them. So much so that they're willing to take a vacation from their fishing to go down and see John. But now they're back up in, in, in Galilee, and Philip goes and meets a guy, his reach one, he knows a guy, he, reach, he, he, he reaches out to him, his name is Nathaniel, same guy that's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, known as Bartholomew. And Nathaniel says, or, or um, Philip says to Nathaniel, we found him. What do you mean you found him? We found him, the one Moses wrote about in the law and, and about whom the prophets also wrote. 
He's Jesus of Nazareth, Joseph's son. And Nathaniel says something that, that is so typical. He says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? A little, little hometown rivalry. I don't know. You know, he's living in Bethsaida. That's not the Mecca of the world. But he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, we know that Nazareth at that time was a backwater town. Life had just sort of passed it by. Uh, the world uh, didn't care for it. And when Lisa, you know, when um, empires came in to, to crush uh, the area and to capture the area, they, they just left Nazareth alone. It's not even worth it. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And what did Philip say? Come and see. Hey, reached one, come and see. Do you see it? And so... Philip introduces Nathaniel or Bartholomew to Jesus, and they have this amazing conversation. I mean, this is bizarre. Do you know about this? <clears throat> when Nathaniel comes up to Jesus, Jesus says to him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Here's a man of integrity. Nathaniel's going, never even met the guy. What's he talking about? Philip, who is this guy? And he looks at Jesus and he says, how do you know me? And Jesus says, this is a really bizarre thing, he says, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Huh? What is that about? We don't know. And we probably won't know until we get to heaven. But something happened under that fig tree. It might have been a business deal where Nathaniel could have really taken advantage of somebody but chose not to. It might have been that Nathaniel was going through some kind of personal struggle that he won and Jesus had the insight to recognize that. Whatever it was, it, it, it hit Nathaniel right between the eyes. And Nathaniel's response was, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You're really him. You are the King of Israel. Now, now understand that Nathaniel knew that there was a political king over Israel. And there was the Roman emperor over, the, over those kings in that area. So what's he getting at here? You remember last week, if you were here, we talked about Jesus coming to proclaim the kingdom of God. The good news that the kingdom of God has drawn near. And, Matthew, and Nathaniel, he sees it. It's basically him saying, saying, you're really him, aren't you? You're him. And Jesus responds by saying, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than this. And listen to what he says. He says, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What? Does that mean that angels are going to be climbing up and down his back? What's, what's, what's going on there? Do you remember learning a song back when you were a kid? If you, went to, if you went to, uh, ever went to vacation Bible school, you probably learned it. Folks like this. 
we are climbing Jacob's ladder. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. We are not going to finish the song. But some of you know that song. You know where it came from, what it was about. Well, it was about a vision that, that uh, Jacob of the Old Testament had when he saw a ladder that went from the earth all the way to heaven and that the angels were ascending and descending on this ladder. And all the Jewish people knew about that vision. And here Jesus is saying to Nathaniel, you're going to see that. Basically, what he's saying is, I am the one that connects heaven with earth and earth with heaven. You're going to see it. You haven't seen it yet, but you're going to see it. Now, is that cool or what? Isn't that neat? You get it? You're looking at me like, gee, I just lost you. Nathaniel, follow me, and you'll see. You'll, you'll see what you just saw. King of Israel, how about King of Kings, Lord of Lords? Now, need Malal back at the lake. Peter, John goes on vacation, goes back to work. Fishing it, right? He goes, he goes to work. He's, he's fishing. And that's where we come up with the Galilee stories of, of uh, Jesus calling uh, Andrew and Peter and James and John, the fishermen. But remember I told you that Mark doesn't always tell the whole story. Well, Luke tells most of the whole story here. He, he talks about, you know, this crowd that's following Jesus. They want to hear more of what Jesus has to say. They go down to the Sea of Galilee. And have you ever been by a big lake that's kind of still and there's someone way out in the lake in a boat and they're talking and you can hear every word? Isn't that bizarre how that works? It's like the water amplifies their, their uh, voices and you can hear them better across the lake. Well, that's what Jesus was doing. He had everyone sit down on a hillside he wanted to go out onto the lake so he could speak to them. They all could hear him well because of this natural amplification that would happen. And so what he does is he goes down to the lake, and there's two boats there, and guess who they are? They're the boats belonging to Andrew and Peter and James and John. They've been out fishing, and now they're washing their nets. You know, they wash their nets a lot. I don't know what that's about, but they're either mending their nets or washing their nets. But, um, Jesus gets in Peter's boat. Hey, Rocky, how you doing? He says, do me a favor. Pull out from shore so I can talk to these people. Peter's been fishing all night, but hey, you know, uh, He's a rabbi. I guess rabbis do things like that, so I'll, I'll do it. So he, he takes Peter, or takes Jesus out in the water uh, a, a ways, and 
Jesus sits down. The, the rabbis would always sit down to teach. And so he's in the boat. He's sitting down. He's talking to the people. Well, what's Peter doing? Peter is in the boat, and he's, he's making sure he's steering the boat so it doesn't turn sideways. It doesn't get too close to the shore, too far away. And through all this, he's also overhearing what Jesus is saying. After Jesus dismisses his crowd, he looks at Simon Peter and he says, hey, Rocky, go out in deep water and let your nets down for a catch. Okay, now, let's stop right there. Time out. Who's the professional fisherman here? Peter, right? Who had been out all night and had caught nothing? Fishing around. Peter. Along comes this rabbi who says, hey, let me teach you how to fish. I think I would have a few choice words. How about you? But what he says is, we have fished all night and caught nothing. However, because you have asked, I'll do it. Humor the teacher. So they, they go out in deep water, and he throws out the, the net. Now, I want, you to, I want you in the boat, okay? I want you there. I want you thinking about this. Peter throws the net out, and he starts pulling it in. And his assumption, well, there's no anything to do there. He starts pulling it in. All of a sudden, the pull gets kind of hard. What's up with this? Pulls a little further, a little further, and then he notices that the water, the surface of the water begins to, to tremble and, and bubble. And, and then he pulls, he starts seeing the net, and inside the net is this enormous catch of fish. I mean, bunches of fish. And he gets all excited, he starts pulling the the, the net in, and the, net, the nets are so heavy with fish, they, they start to break. And so he shouts out, hey, John, James, get over here with your boat. You're not going to believe this. we got all these fish. That, that's not exactly what the Bible says, but you get the idea. He calls them to help. They get over there. They start putting fish in boats. They fill up both boats to the point that they start to sink. And Peter's over there in his boat doing the happy dance. All right, this is great. I've never had a, had a fishing day like this. This beats him. This is so, we are going to be so rich. All this. this. And then about that time, he must have remembered Jesus. Imagine the look on Jesus' face watching all this. There had to be a smile. Don't you think it just had, it's like, what do you think now, Peter? Maybe I do know a little bit about fishing. It's in that moment. Even though Peter, even though Peter had met Jesus, even though Peter had chances to talk with Jesus, it was at that moment that Peter 
realize that Jesus truly was the Son of God. This doesn't happen otherwise. And when he realizes, he falls at the knees of Jesus and looks up. You know what he says? He looks at Jesus and says, go away. Go away from me. Why would he say that? Because Jesus, Peter knew who Jesus was. And Peter knew who he was. And so he says, go away from me, Lord, because I am sinful. I'm a sinful man. In essence, he's saying, you don't want me. You don't, you don't know the sins up to me. You don't, you don't want me. I'm not good enough. He's disqualifying himself. Even though he wants the deep things of God, he's disqualifying himself. And he sees it right in his eyes. That's a little more of a story, isn't it? Because it's then that Jesus looks at him and he says to Rocky, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And then it ends up by saying what we already know. They, they pulled their boats up to the shore left everything and followed him. We'll continue on with the story next week talking about uh, some of the things that that the man did. Marty, raise your hand. Marty's going to give that message next. So come and support him. Pray for him. Pray that God will anoint him as I know God has to present that message. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you and I praise you for all that you have done, all that you are doing, and especially, Lord, that you will are willing to accept us as sinful as we are. And I ask that you be with each person here. Perhaps this is the first time that they've understood the call from, from you, Lord. And if that's the case, I ask that they will, they will come to you and accept you as Savior and Lord of their lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together as we praise the one that is the way, the truth, and the life. Through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress, that you are my portion, you are my hiding place. Oh, I believe you are.
provider. Oh, you are protector. You are the one I love. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. It's a new horizon, and I'm set on you, and you meet me here today, with mercies that are new, all my fears and doubts, they can all come to, because they can't stay long, when I'm here with you, it's a new horizon, and I'm set on you. And you meet me here today with mercies that are new. All my fears and doubts, they can all come too. Because I can't stay long when I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. I believe you are. a new horizon and I'm set on you and you meet me here today with mercies that are new all my fears and doubts they can all come to because they can't stay long when I'm here you are it's a new horizon and I'm set on you and you meet me here today, the mercies that are new, all my fears and doubts, they can all come too, because they can't stay long, when I'm here you are the way, the truth, the life, I believe you are. Did you know that Jesus calls dirty, rotten scoundrels like us? If you're not convinced, another one is Levi. Levi was a tax collector, which means nobody liked him at all. And he calls him to be a disciple. And Levi left that lucrative business to be one of God's chosen one of the disciples. Yeah, he, uh, he 
He calls people like you and like me. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. These are who he called. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. James, the son of the, uh, James of Zebedee and his brother John, to whom he gave the name Sons of Thunder. What's that about? Andrew, Simon's brother. Philip, who lived in the same town. Nathaniel, a Bartholomew, same person. Matthew, Thomas. James, son of Alphaeus. Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot, even Judas, the one who betrayed him, he called all that. And he's calling you. You see, as I read the rest of this, I mean, he's calling you. So go and share your faith with someone who needs love, forgiveness, or hope. Point them toward God. Let him save them as he is saving you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen.